If we could be a part of a last day revival right before Israel goes into tribulation and the church heads out of here. That Old Testament is filled with types and pictures and symbols and shadows all pointing to eternal realities. I'm a firm believer. Get Brother Sound Man, make me louder or make me think I'm louder tonight. And I appreciate it. The uh, <clears throat> Don't let the hyper-dispensationalists take your Old Testament from you. And they can get so hyper with their dispensationalism, they won't give you nothing but half of Romans. Well, I got news for you. Corinthians 10. I don't know if that's one Corinthians or two Corinthians. I'm going to wear that out, ain't I, preaching? Corinthians 10 said these things, the Old Testament stories, these things were written for our admonition upon whom the what? The ends of the world. So everything in the Old Testament was written to get the bride through the end. That whole book's for us. And uh, it's about us and it's for us. And I recognize Israel and I recognize the church and I recognize a lot of things. I recognize that God wanted His bride to know how to make it through these hours. And He gave us a book. I bless the Lord for it. I felt impressed to mention it tonight. Last year, God's people gave $50,000. The Holy Ghost told me in January, I got 500 100s for your overseas trips. I will not take the time to tell you any of the stories, but God has snowballed our Eastern European ministry, the Albanian ministry. We now have six missionaries, and uh, God's moving there. And uh, then the Lord has sent me into Uganda and into Thailand and uh, down into Central America. And so last year I said, Lord, I wonder how we're going to afford that. And he said, I got 500 100s for you. I didn't read that nowhere. It's not a gimmick. It's not a motivational. It's not a fundraiser. I ain't no good with none of that stuff. I don't even like it. Always you need God. You don't need nothing but God. You don't need no slick, cute ideas. And the Holy Ghost, and that's why I can stand before you in authority and tell you, suggest to you the Lord may want you to give a hundred. It's because the Holy Ghost told me. Well, from mid-January to mid-November, November the 18th, we got the final 100 and $50,000 to pay. When I go to Thailand, it'll cost me about eight or $9,000. I go to Central America, it only costs me about 1800 or 2000 They're different. But uh, the Lord's sending us to preach the gospel. Can I get a witness? Amen. Well, I wondered what he's going to do this year. And I felt strongly like the Lord is going to do that again. And so I didn't mention anything after the last 100. And people kept giving 100s without it even being mentioned. 
coming in the mail and coming in them crispy handshakes. You got to be an evangelist or a missionary to know to appreciate a crispy handshake. <laughs> Pastors don't know much about it. They're, they should know more about it. You ought, you ought to be good to your pastor. And, and don't get around me with this. Well, I wish I was a preacher. Just work a couple of days a week and eat fried chicken. The rest. I'm liable to hit you. I'm liable to forget I'm in the grace dispensation and hit you with a two before. I mean, I might slip back in the, under the law and just slaughter a whole town and God give you a trophy for it. It is so boring to live in the church age. you got to love people and forgive them and turn the other cheek. That's just so slow. That Old Testament must have been fun. God just wiped the whole outfit out. Yes, sir, Lord. Wouldn't you like to have been one of David's mighty men just kill anybody that looked cross-eyed toward the king or the ark or the Jerusalem, just kill them. Amen. I may still have a little law in me. You better not. You don't be don't be smarting off about preachers around me. I'm a five generation Baptist preacher. I watched my mom and daddy sweat blood and tears. I don't like them little rebel reprobate apostates got little cute comments about a preacher. Lord may want me to accidentally drop a brick on your toe and never confess it. You get a prayer card, we just, I, I never had any before. Somebody made them for me. I want you to see my family and come to the Redfield meeting in July. That's our camp meeting, youth meeting. Brother Womper's been coming a long time and some more started coming, Brother Kerrigan and them. The caretaker, Brother Danny Dietz, who lives on the property. He went to heaven last week. He had that same cancer Brother Kerrigan had. And the Lord took him on. One week ago today. And some of you there know that last year money was given to put wings on. We had an overflow crowd. And the man in North Carolina said, I'm, me and my daddy's got the sawmill. We're going to provide the lumber. Can I tell you something? If you're allergic to happy bubbles, go check your air pressure or go to the potty or something because this might hurt you if you're allergic to happy bubbles. But if you don't mind Holy Ghost shouting, then you can hang around and listen to this. Last Thursday morning, I got two calls. And one of them was Brother Danny's going to be with the Lord. The second was the man said, the wings are ready. That ought to help somebody right there. Amen. Woo! Yes, amen. God had them wings ready for both worlds. Amen. And that don't mean anything. A lot of you didn't know Brother Dietz there. and His whole heart was that tabernacle and that meeting. He and his family lived there. and God, His daddy's the old man of God. And that tabernacle was built in his backyard. And Brother Danny's whole life was was that meeting. And so when I got that call, the wings are ready. 
I said, yeah, he done got his, and now we'll add ours. Amen. Amen. Thank God for it. I bless the Lord. Let me tell you something about the Carolinas. The reason we can't have revivals, we're already dead. The Carolinas done had great revival. It's kind of hard to have great revival when you just did. Brother Kerrigan's generation, the great camp meetings in the Carolinas, they're all 50-year-old, 70-year-old, 80-year-old. A generation is typically 40 years. The thing will have a rise and and a rain and a decline 40 years. The Carolinas reminds me sometimes of that revelation. Thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Living on your reputation, not on what could be your reality. These kids got to find, they got to find God. They have to feel God. They have to know God for themselves. And that fire's come through here. The 30s, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. Played out in the 70s and petered out in the 80s. Help me now. And we need more than a name that we're great. Mm. And my burden is for this generation to have revival. You say, you're going to tell us how? Ain't nobody alive knows how to have revival. People who have had revival can't even talk about it. The only boys writing on it ain't never had it. They just telling everybody how to, but somehow in their how to, they ain't doing it themselves. You've been on that mount of transfiguration, you can't even talk about it. Number one, Jesus tell you not to. Number one, if he allowed you to, you wouldn't know what to say. You can't tell that. Mm. Earl Hughes said it's better felt than told. Mm. If the Lord nudges your heart to give one of them one hundreds, I know he'll bless you for it. Let's read the text. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? I want to appreciate the pastors and all the preachers that made it a priority to be here tonight. I know you could have and should have probably been a lot of other places in your schedule, but you made it a priority, and we thank you. I want to thank God for Brother Kerrigan. What a gracious, godly, gentle, precious man of God he is. Me and Brother Wampler got to go down to the Buddha buffet today. Rubbed his green belly. And we got to hear an hour and a half of precious, precious stories from this man of God. And that right there made my whole month, Pastor, that what you poured into me this afternoon, and I thank you. I'm in Second Kings 22. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? Lord, you'll have to help us. Preaching's impossible. It's eternal. That's your business. I do not know how. I only know how to start. The Lord God will open this book and open our mouth and you help us. Open our hearts and open our ears. 
Lord, make preaching what you meant it to be tonight and make it what you mean it for this hour, for every individual sitting here, Holy Ghost. Do a great work and we'll see the fruit at the judgment seat and probably won't hardly see it nowhere else but at the judgment seat. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name and all the Lord's people said. Amen. Amen. I have uh, right here Josiah, 2 Kings 22, 1. Josiah is eight years old and began to reign. And it tells about him. Look in verse 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And so that's a wonderful thing. The Lord has put me to study in the kings. I'm going to make this as, as, as brief as possible. The Lord has got me to study in the kings. And in particularly with this theme, it's time for kings to go to battle. And I want to say to you tonight, it is time for kings to go to battle. Now the Lord sent me to study in these kings. And we're just finding what we're finding. It's the Lord's business. Somebody say amen. amen. <clears throat> and uh, I ran into this glorious story of the last revival. I'm going to say this and hope you get it because it's the crux of the whole matter. Josiah, under his reign, he's probably the godliest king that there was. Josiah operated, he was 13 when Jeremiah started preaching. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet that went right on into captivity. And that's a picture of Israel going into tribulation. And uh, Josiah had the last revival before the whole kingdom shut down. Israel, the northern kingdom, had already went into judgment. And now he is the last guy. And behind him was only three fellows. And it went pretty quick behind him. And they were all bad characters. And it went right on into captivity. And what the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart is that's right where we're living. Right at the end. And if we have a revival right before this, right before the kingdom of God closes down. If we have a revival right at the end of the church age before Israel goes into the tribulation and the church leaves on out of here. By the way, America going through persecution is different than Israel going into tribulation. Young preachers, you don't date your prophecy by how bad society's getting in America. You don't put your thumb on the pulse in America and then talk about the second coming. America ain't got much to do with the second coming. You, you look at Jerusalem specifically and Israel generally to study your prophecy. But I do know one thing, the nations are all turning against Israel. Amen. And so if there's going to be a revival in the last days, if we're going to see one, if we're going to be involved in one, I think we can learn some lessons from the last revival. All right, I have one, two, three, four, five things right here that was involved in his revival. Let's look at them. Number one, they had to repair the breaches. Everybody look in 2 Kings 22. I'm not going to go into these verses with uh, expositions and exegesis. I, sit, I, don't, I don't even know what exegesis means, but I've heard that somewhere. I wanted Brother Wampler to hear me say that, a big word like that. 
I'm not going to dig through these verses. I want to hit five highlights and show you what was involved in his revival. And, and they all start with B. The Holy Ghost can alliterate it sometimes. Number one, and this is all in order. So here comes this boy, and he's a godly, and he's going to get it right. And so he says in verse 4, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may sum the silver as brought to the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered the people, let them deliver it to the hand of the doers of the work, that have the oversight of the house of the Lord, let them give it to the doer of the work, which is in the house of the Lord, to repair the breaches of the house. I'm going to say this, and you better help me. Honey, there are holes in our walls. And when there's holes in the wall, about anything can get in. So y'all help me. I'm going to hit these five and see if God will help us. The first thing Josiah dealt with was the breaches in the house of the Lord. Honey, we got some broken down places in the Lord's house in this hour. I ain't talking about our physical buildings. You know better than that. Honey, we got some holes in the wall. We got wolves coming in. We got pagans coming in. We got idolaters coming in. We got witches and wizards coming in. We got a little bit of everything coming in. And we got to repair the breaches of the Lord's house. Oh my honey, if there's ever an hour. I read of a big contemporary church in Houston, Texas, and the name of their church is, they don't even have holes in the wall. They just did away with the walls. It's called, it's called the church without walls dot com. Now ain't that something? Honey, you pretty bad when you're beyond a hole in your wall. You ain't even got a wall. I want to thank God for a church that's still got some walls. What's the watchman going to stand on if he ain't got a wall? Oh, honey, we got to repair the breaches of the Lord's house. In the hour that we live, honey, there's a lot of holes in our wall. You know what? We need some folks that, we need some keepers. I just mentioned this. There's two things in the text that just blessed my heart when I was uh, when I was soaking in these scriptures. We got keepers of the door. Look in verse four. He said, "Go up the hill, guide the high priest, some the silver brother had, which the keepers of the door." We need some door keepers, don't we? Amen. We need, and then look over here in uh, verse fourteen. Here we got, now we got some men keeping the door. And here we got a woman keeping the wardrobe. This is amazing. You can't make this stuff up. Look in verse 14. So Hilkiah the priest and Ahiakim and Achbor and Shaphan and Asahiah went unto Huldah. The, I have no idea if I pronounced them right, but that's a pretty good shot, wasn't it? The, went unto Huldah the prophetess. Well, here now, we got a godly old gal here in this Old Testament kingdom. The wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Herod. Boy, he's interested in everybody you can to, isn't he, right there? Look what is it? Keeper of the wardrobe. What about, 
Well, you can't make that stuff up right there. I just want to stop and say, we need some real men to keep the doors of the house of God. And we need some godly women that will keep the wardrobe. What about that right there? Now, girls, I'm not fixing to beat you over the head. I'm not. I'm not. A lot of that's going on. I have no interest in beating you over the head. I just want you to put some clothes on. And, 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 and make them woman clothes while you're putting them on. I'm going to say something. This costs me half my meetings and most of my friends. But I still think that women ought to wear women clothes and men ought to wear men clothes. And I'm not a smart aleck about it. I'm not a goofball about it. But let's just talk about it for a minute. Don't get all fired up and excited, this homosexual, these gay marriages, all these men kissing and marrying. It's, 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 it's an abomination is what it is. And, 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 and they're starting to wear women's clothes. Well, don't you get fired up about it unless you're going to get fired up about the last 40 years when women started wearing men's clothes. Now that flies in here, but that don't fly with about 80% of the, my generation that i got to rub elbows with. And it cost me a lot of friendships and a lot of meetings, but guess what? I didn't get in it to make friends, and I didn't get in this to get my calendar full. I want, my, I want to be full of the Holy Ghost, and I want to have a good friendship with Him. And I got enough sense to know the lesbian movement been cross-dressing for 50 years. Help me right there. And if we got used to that, honey, we're going to get used to men walking around in dresses before it's over with. You say, well, I'll never get used to that. Well, you got used to the other. And you ain't going to find me fussing out these young ladies because it ain't their fault. It's, it's, it's their mama's fault. It's their grandma's fault. If somebody ain't keeping the wardrobe. It's a lot of spineless pastors. Probably They probably ain't in charge of their own bride. That's why they can't be in charge of the Lord's bride. Now the Holy Ghost put me in a, in a little swamp church. That's 21. And you talk about repairing the breaches. <laughs> I made a little note and I, and I shouldn't have. Because <laughs> I knew I'd read it again. I say, we got a problem with breaches in this hour. <laughs> Women's putting them on and men are taking them off. I shouldn't have made that note to myself. Because <laughs> I influenced my own thinking. But God put me in that church. And I was 13 when the Lord called me. And, I, and, I don't, and I'm not boasting in the flesh. Those of you that know me know that I'm not. I'm just trying to make God big. When God filled me with the Holy Ghost, I thought I'd already moved to heaven. I, I thumbed a ride to every meeting I could find. I prayed everything that they prayed. I preached everything they preached. All I'd done was chase men of God and want to be just like them. I'd go to the big soul winning conferences and go back to my little pine tree and I asked God, let me have a, let me, let me see a million people get saved. I didn't even know how many a thousand was, much less a million, but I sure prayed it. Amen. 
wrote my own gospel track and got my 10 speed and asked mom and daddy permission. Made a 30 mile radius in the foothills of them Tennessee Smoky Mountains. That little 10 speed up and around at every mean dog in the country. <laughs> Tennessee hillbillies help me now. I was skinny in those days. Now I've still got my high school figure. I just love it so much. I padded it and insulated it and I'm protecting it. I'm sheltering it. It's down in there. I'll bring it out when I want, but right now, right now, I've got something going with Buddha and his Chinese buffet. When I got to Thailand, they said, all them slick headed monks, they said, you can't touch their head. You're talking about bald headed preachers. They said, don't touch their head. That's their karma and that's their religion. Brother Owenby can tell you all about them Buddhists. And so I rubbed everybody I could. How you doing? Oh, we rub heads in America. I don't shake that. No, huh? <laughs> Ask Brother Mongol there, son. Huh? It's in the restaurants and motels. Tells foreigners to not touch. It warns you about that. But I'm from the South. You don't tell us don't do stuff. <laughs> I rubbed every orange robe, bald-headed monk I passed by. I just played ignorant. Oh, me American, love you, love you. <laughs> Poor old boy, I played to start over like 30 years. You know, start over again. I rubbed his head. <laughs> I'll probably go back next year and there'll just be a bunch of hippies over there. We gave up 30 years. 30 years. It's foreigner, rubbed our head. I got in that little church. And you talk about repairing some breaches. I was trying to go to the mission field. And the Lord picked that little country church for me. I said, Lord, we need to win the world. He said, you let me worry about the world. We've got to grow you up. Put me in a little flock. I was laying over in the corner. First Saturday I was there, laying in the corner, the middle of the day, Saturday. Dark in there on the altar. All of a sudden the lights came on and the youth group, I didn't know what was going on. All my young ones was in there in their underwear wrestling on the altar. My teenage youth group was on the platform and the altars wrestling in shorts and two-piece things. Number one, I thought I'd went in the twilight zone. Number two, I wasn't sure if I was dreaming. I'd fell asleep. No, it was Saturday, and they were having a youth activity going to the beach. It's something that they did. And they just wore their bathing suits, and they come, met at the church and come in there and got the rough housing and wrestling boys and girls in them outfits on the altar. You think I didn't have some holes to patch? That's the first Baptist church the Lord put me in. But it wasn't their fault. None of it was their fault. They had about 50 kids in there after the Lord started building it up. But pastor 10 miles from the prison. And half of them kids lived there because they had a mama or a daddy in the prison. Some of them had a mama and a daddy. Florida State Penitentiary and five other prisons, 40,000 prisoners in 30 radius miles of my church. 
And I was raised the son of a preacher, <clears throat> old-fashioned, <clears throat> independent Baptist preacher, and that was an independent Baptist church. So I wasn't raised around nothing like that. The Lord sent me there, and God just started saving a bunch of people, and they wouldn't turn me loose, and God said, this is where you're supposed to be. Amen. <clears throat> now, I'm going to tell you what we did. When they all left out and went to the beach activity, I stand over there in shock. Got back, I turned the lights back off and got back on my knees. And the Lord said, the problem ain't their bathing suits. We've got a bigger problem than that here. Got a big problem. He said, but that's why you're here. I got preachers because I got problems. And you know, that was the spring of 91. And you know that summer the Lord had me put up a tent, a big old tent and spread sawdust. And you know them same kids? God just started saving them by the dozen. Help me now. You say, well, why didn't their mom and daddy, most of them didn't have but one, and the one they had wasn't in the church. Help me now. Got under that tent and, and the Holy Ghost. We went two and a half weeks. There's so much power in there. God's saving all them youngins. One night they piled up like a football huddle and God saved about all of them. Shouted and run all over that place. Do you know we had two or three old godly grandmas and they dressed like godly women. Help me right there. And you know, without me ever dealing specifically with anything, they all just started. They all just started putting on dresses and toting Bibles and going to the prayer meetings and, and just revive. Help me now. <clears throat> I got so fired up being that second week. And boys come around, rough old boys. Preacher, we want to sing this. I said, all right, boys, sing. They said, we got a soundtrack. I said, let's go for it. And they backed a four-wheel drive mud truck under the tent, opened the doors. It wasn't a soundtrack. It was a gospel group in in their stereo system. And they stood on the tailgate and sang with the group that was coming out of the speakers. You said, well, did that offend any of the brethren? I didn't know who the brethren was. I just knew these were my boys. And God God was saving them. And they didn't know no better than just reared back and sang. On the tailgate. We went down and had some sort of banquet for all them kids at the steakhouse in the back. And they pulled the little curtains back there and had the, and the Holy Ghost fell and we got the shouting, got the throwing chairs. I usually break furniture when I get in a good service. You bunch of Israelite idolaters worshiping your buildings. We need to tear half of this up. And a uh, old boy named Eddie Bumpers was preaching. He come over and preach to these kids in our little youth banquet. And he was a Southern Baptist. I didn't know, but boy, he was full of God. Old time. He had old timey daddy. 
he reared back and preached and kicked, and we had to put out all the restaurant chairs and make a light, make an altar, and they started getting saved. <laughs> I'm just remembering that. I ain't thought about it in a long time. Bunch of them got saved. We got the shouting. Manager locked the doors, and they all come back in there because half the kids that worked at the stake cast knew these kids. They come in there, and they started getting down on our altar and weeping and getting Amen. saved. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. There may be some big holes in the wall where God's put you, but if you go to repairing the breaches, God will give you men that keep the doors and women that keep the wardrobe and the Holy Ghost can do what needs to be done. The breaches. Number two, in order that what was involved in his revival, not only the breaches, but the book. Look in verse 8. And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book. Y'all help me right there. Isn't that beautiful? Of the law in the house of the Lord. Second thing that had to do was when they was repairing the Lord's house, they found something they didn't even know they'd lost. I'm going to say something right here. And it struck me when when I wrote it down in my little notes. It struck me. They lost the Bible in the temple. If that ain't a direct reflection of where we're living, we have lost the Bible in our very churches. Found something they didn't even know they'd lost. My trips into Albania. Everybody hold your Bible and just lift it up and thank God for your Bible. You ought to kiss it. You ought to give it a kiss. Go ahead. Give it a kiss. You ought to embrace it around your bosom. These men for centuries that bled and died and were burned at the fire, honey, that for in order for you to have a copy of the Holy Scriptures. I'm going to tell you something. It's not to get a rise out of you. That King James Bible is the Word of God. Don't get your little liberal college buddies, your little contemporary, your little independent fundamental, ain't no nothing about the Holy Ghost. Don't get your little liberal friends around me. I'm liable to drop a concrete block on their foot and tell them it was an accident. Don't get them around me with all this. Well, it's the best translation for the English-speaking people. Lester Roloff said, you must have went to college to get that done. Well, we we prefer the King James Bible. It's the best possible translation for the English-speaking people. Oh, Ron Garris followed Ed Blue, the Rock of Ages. He used to say, Won't you stand behind my truck when I'm leaving tonight? He said, I'll try to get it zero to 90 in two seconds. That's what he used to say. I wouldn't ever say something like that, but he did. It's the best translation for the. Here in about 10 minutes, you're going to, tell, you're going to be correcting that Bible. Talking like that. Listen carefully. The King James Bible is not the best translation for the English speaking people. The King James Bible is the eternal word of God given to the church in these hours. 
I have no problem with you taking it and translating it in a foreign language and giving it to them and tell them this is the Word of God. Brother Mongolian, when I was in Thailand, they took me to the Golden Triangle. What was the river? All these old Vietnam vets would know what was that river that ran through there. Yes, the Mekong. And I stood there and you could see two or three countries in one spot and used to be the number one drug trafficking flow. Fifteen nations. He could list them better than me. There's Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, Myanmar, Burma, Thailand, and there's 15 of them. And I asked the missionary, why is there English subtitles under everything over here in Asia? He said, because they all have different dialects, but it's been voted upon and agreed upon in all the nations that over here that English is the official language. That's Asia. I got into Africa. <clears throat> and they said, <clears throat> these kids speak Lugandese and English. And I said, why am I reading English on everything official and unofficial? They said, oh, it's simple because English is the official language of the African countries. It's the common language. I got into Albania, Eastern Europe. And said, why is there English subtitles under everything over here in this Muslim country? in Eastern Europe. And why does everybody under 30 learn in English? They said, oh, it's very simple. said, English is the official language, the common language. Do y'all reckon God kind of knew what he was doing? (laughs) (laughs) To bring the tongues of man to a peak, the Elizabethan era, the Shakespearean English, knowing that all the world would be brought back to that language. And where do the United Nations meet with others? They meet in America, whatever we speak English. Help me now. You need to kiss that Bible and hold that Bible. It's not just the preferred version for the English-speaking people. It's the eternal Word of God. And I can smell the liberal rot gut on an old on these boys coming out of these seminaries, all these little contemporary things and all these little Southern Baptist sissies and all these empty independent boys. Anytime you turn on that book, God will turn on you. You won't have no breath of God on you. No authority, no power, no unction when your ministry is about correcting that Bible. But when your ministry is about that Bible correcting you. And five seconds, this is free. There's no refunds on the offering. Is there, Pastor? No refund. No refund. No refunds on your offering. The last thing we need is two or three old smart aleck yo-yos hollering about the King James that ain't never read it. And found out that the greatest commandment is that we love one another as I have loved you. Okay? Ain't riding off with a bunch of smart elks either and just see how many people we can offend before sunup. Help me now. When I was in Albania, one of the first met a young man, Bledy. He is 24 and 94 pounds. They're short over there and they're little. The man was going to take us out on the boat. He said, how many can we get on this boat ride? 
He said, 12, 12 men. We got there, all of us Americans. <laughs> and the old captain, his eyes got big, Ben, he said, 12 Albanians, 6 Americans. <laughs> Just 6. 6. <laughs> Amen. Hey. Saved by grace and kept by grease. That's exactly right. Your blood run quicker through your veins if it's greased up and get get where it needs to go and get on back. Yes, sir. So what if you die early? You die happy. Amen. When I see skinny people eating their tree bark and tofu, when I see them living to 140, I start eating what they're eating. Last time I checked, them skinny people dying the same time frame that we fat people are dying. Help me right now. Help me. When I get down there and spark bears in my life, hey, I'm 160. All right, I'll try some of that. Not till then. They put me down there in the Holiday Inn or the Hampton Inn. I go get a big pile of eggs and bacon and gravy, and I go stand at the window where people are working out in there. All them women down there trying to impress other men besides their husband with their figure. And all them homosexual men down there. I just stand in front of the window with them eggs and bacon. I stare them in their eyes. Fat people are harder to kidnap. Amen. That's my, that's my, that's, that's my life verse. Bloody, he little old short, the Albania. He's a Christian. And this Albania is a thousand years under the under the Ottoman Turks, Muslims. We're fixing to know a lot about that. And they were a hundred years under communist. Their dictator had burned everything religious. We got us twelve preachers in a van. Or some sort of rusted out Italian stolen thing. We was in there and I said, Bloody, tell us how you got saved. Because I'd never heard it. He said, Oh, he said, I have a friend. A missionary came through my town. The man was there for one day and he called him his friend. Amen. Didn't know him before, never seen him since. But in them real poor countries, the important things matter. Yes, sir. Amen. Something's wrong with us in America. Amen. He said, I have a friend. Found out later, you only knew him for one day. <laughs> you know, Jesus would pass through some places just for a day. But when he left, you had a friend. <laughs> Amen. He said, I have a friend. Came to my town. When communism collapsed, he came through my town. And he gave me a Bible. He said, I go home. And I take my Koran. Muslim Bible. He said, I open it. 
I take this new book, this holy book about another God, he said. And I lay them, that's what the boy told us. I had one pastor from Alabama nearly got a concussion. He shouted and jumped up off the button and hit his head. It was, he was from Alabama. I mean, but this. When Bladdy said what he said next, he said, I open my Koran and I look at it. I open this new book and I look at it. And here's what he said. He said, when I look at this new book, something inside me changed. And he said, I close my old book and put it away and I make this my new book. And he had a Bible in the, up front with him and he done like this and he picked it up. He said, this my book now. Amen. Amen, preacher. Amen. Amen. Somebody needs to bring the book back. Amen. Number three. I'm going to quit the night when y'all get done. That's when, I, when the Lord gets done. All right, the third thing that I found right here, and I'm going to say this. Not only did it bring back the book, it was time to bring back the blood. I want you to notice they had a blood problem. Look in Second Kings 24. Manasseh. And you can read about Manasseh, the most evil king there ever was. You can read about him in 2 Kings 21. Would you all please take a minute and look at 2 Kings 21 and keep one of your fingers over there in 24. Manasseh. All right, is everybody in 2 Kings 21? Say amen. amen. All right, verse 2, he did that which was evil in the saddle after the abominations of the heathen. Alright, in verse 3 he got to worshiping the host of heaven. He got into witchcraft and astrology. And, and in verse 6 he made his son pass through the fire, observe times, enchantments, familiar spirits and wizards, wrought much wickedness. And uh, verse 9 is what I wanted to show. I mean we could keep going on. He, he, he built up the Sodomites in their houses. But look in verse 9. But they hearkened not. And Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. I'm going to tell you something. I've seen this and y'all have too. Sometimes we can get more wicked as God's people than the world. There's something about having been exposed to light going back in the darkness. It'll get you go darker than what you was before. Help me now. It's possible. I don't want to get into that, but uh, that's 20 minutes of preaching. But it's possible for there to be greater wickedness develop amongst people who know better than people out there just being ignorant and walking on in their sins. Don't you feel that kind of spirit all around us? What, young men? Why do you think they're so bold on Facebook? Why do you think they're so bold on Facebook to come against preachers? Come against churches? Come against righteousness? It's coming from a generation who was raised right and rebelled and that spirit of lawlessness has come upon them. By the way, I don't need one cotton-picking thing from the contemporary movement. 
I don't need one of their songs. I don't need one of their ideas. I don't need one of their gimmicks. I don't need one of their little cute thing, how to park cars and seat people. I don't need none of that. Amen. Don't need a thing. Amen. We got a bunch of rebels in front of us. And God's people. Heading off into deeper depths of depravity and Satan Satan. Than even the world knows about. Chapter twenty four. Find it for me, Brother Wampler. Where is it verse three or four? And Manasseh there God wouldn't pardon them because of all that blood. Read it for me out loud, Brother Wampler. And also for the innocent blood that he The innocent blood. For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. He filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. With the Lord, which the Lord would not pardon. The Lord would not pardon. Oh Y'all look here. They were having a problem, a blood problem. Can I tell you what we got in this hour? We got a real serious blood problem. This is a message for another day, but I want to, you men of God are in here and you can take this study back and preach it. We got blood on our hands. The church is not telling the world about Jesus anymore. We got blood on our hands. We got blood on our soil. 75 million babies are crying out from the ground. And the Lord would not pardon. Hey. Even for the 40-year revival Josiah had, God blessed Josiah, God blessed his reign. But he still brought the judgment that was coming because he could not go over that blood that they had put in. We got a problem with the blood on our hands, the blood on the soil, and then the blood in our family lineage. We got Adam's blood running through us. And all of us got a messed up family one way or the other. Can I encourage you? Everybody's dysfunctional. Can I take a little time out and encourage y'all for a minute? Everybody's half crazy in their head. The psychiatrists have snuck in the side doors of the house of God and told us some real big lies. They've told us, number one, Jesus will help you with all of your problems, but if you got any real problems, you'll have to come get professional. From sodomites, dope addicts, people who've had four nervous breakdowns, seven divorces, and ten abortions, they're going to help straighten your life out. Some of the lies they tell is, if you hit bottom, it's over. We got to stop you from hitting bottom. And the truth is, God's the one sending you to the bottom. He can't do nothing with you until He smashes you down there somewhere. And when you hit the bottom, you find God <laughs> sitting right next to you. Said, "I've been waiting on you to get down here, and boy, I'm wanting to do it work in your life." And they'll tell you that something's wrong with you if something's wrong with you. I got news for you. Eve listened to the snake. Adam went along with it. And they've been something wrong with all of us ever since. Jesus is the only one can fix it. And he came to where we was. 
And he said, I know you're a train wreck on seven different levels. Let me help you with all that. Come on. Amen. Now, I love this. Tell you what he did. He brought back the blood. Look at this quickly. Boy, we're moving along good. I'm surprised. Chapter chapter 23, verse 22. Look what he did. About to run. About to run. May run. Chapter 23, verse 21. After he had a burning. Back up to verse 20. See where he burned them men's bones? He got all them pagan priests and he burned their bones. Does everybody see that in verse 20? I'm going there next. There's a burning. Look what he did in verse 21 because they had a blood problem in that land. And the king commanded all the people saying, Keep the Passover. It's time to get some lambs out and shed some blood. Help me right there. As it is written in the book of this country. What about that? When he found the book, he found the blood. And this next verse is what I'm interested in. Surely, and I need some of y'all to study this for me. Spencer boy study this for me because I ain't studied it yet surely I'm about to run surely there was not holding such a Passover from the days of the judges that judged Israel nor in all the days of the kings of Israel nor of the kings of Judah I'm about to run somebody needs to study that there never was that much blood of the lambs. Think about Solomon. It tells how many Solomon. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands. When Solomon dedicated the temple, the longest prayer in the Bible. And that blood flowed off the top of that mount. But old Josiah outdid him. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something. The only thing that will overcome all of our blood problems is that blood of the lamb. <laughs> We'll make a little announcement. It's still the blood. It's still the blood. I ain't even a singer, and that was pretty good right there. You know it was. Inspirations be calling me after a while. It's still the blood. I fight this contemporary movement. Honey, it's invaded our land. And let me tell you what that contemporary effeminate movement will do for It'll take out all the blood songs. It'll take out the altars, the blood altars. It'll take out your wooden pulpit and there'll be no bloody face preacher. There won't be no red face preachers. The blood's gone. You get their little old homosexual, effeminate, queer sounding little old, little old co-elders and all their little hip-hop New York City Babylonian nightclub sounding little pot-smoking looking little praise and worship teams. They'll line them up there and you could put them in a New York City nightclub and they'd be just as at home right there. Let's say, well, not the music, don't the words are right. Let me get you a Coca-Cola bottle in here. Let's put some sewage in it. Well, the words are right. Take a swig. I didn't mean to be looking at you, Pastor, when I said that. I'm... Take a swing. 
not the pastor. Now, if it says Pepsi, then it's probably that's probably pretty close. But if it says Diet Coke, they're gonna serve Diet Coke in heaven. Along with a, there's gonna be a five-mile Chinese buffet and and a Diet Coke thing there. Just I studied the originals. That's that's in the originals. That's down in the that's the Aramaic. Oh my, somebody needs to bring back the blood. In our pleadings with the Lord, plead the blood. In our prayers, pray through the blood. And in our preaching, the blood. In our worship, the blood. That's what we're going to thank Him for in heaven is the blood. He brought back the blood. All right, they had a burning. Do you see it in verse 20? I think, now it's all in this chapter. What chapter am I in? 23? It's all in there. Matter of fact, the first 20 verses is about he's burning down the Sodomites' house. He's burning the groves. He's burning the bones of pagan priests. I'm not going to take time to show those to you. You can see them in there. There's a burning. Y'all know what we need? If we're going to have a last day revival, we're going to need a fire. But before that fire lights us up, we've got to burn some stuff off and burn some stuff out. Y'all help me right there. Didn't they have it in the book of Acts? They burned all them old witchcraft books. I'm revisiting in my memory tonight a little bit. My my precious little church. God let me pastor from 21 to 29. That's where he showed me how great he was and how low I was. We had a burning one time. We had God met with us in those years. Two girls... Terry Griffiths and Paula Brown, both of them had parents in the prison. I loved them. Loved all them kids. Boys, if you don't love the Lord's people, you ain't going to be no good to nobody. We can tell pretty quick through your preaching if you love yourself or if you love his sheep. Little Terry and Paula, they were about 17. They'd gotten saved, probably in that steakhouse. And uh, we was having church one morning. And they brought me a little paper bag. Y'all remember the paper grocery bags? You used to could actually carry your groceries out in one bag. And then they would rip and you'd use language that the Lord wasn't proud of. Paper bags. They brought me a paper bag. And they laid it on the altar and said, Preacher, we want to give these to God. I don't know why I looked in it. And it was some little old blue jean cut-off shorts. Them Daisy Dukes was in then. And it was some halter tops. And there was, I think, two CDs. Two things of rock music. I did, this was out of left. This was out of left field. It came out that nobody mentioned nothing like this. They said we want to live for God. We're going to dress right and do right. And we Amen. want to give. And they put. I said I don't know what to do with that. And the Holy Ghost said burn it. So I picked it up and told the church, hey, 
Sister Terry and Sister Paula is consecrating their life to God and they want to burn these ungodly things. I said, they want to give them to God and I'm going to burn them. And six weeks later, we had so much stuff stacked up. It's triggered something in that body of Christ. And here they came. Mamas was bringing all them old witches and stuff out of their kids' toys, all them demon toys. People was bringing, they was bringing dope in there. They was bringing, wow. they was bringing stacks of heavy metal music and rock music. Wow. I'm going to throw this in them. We're far enough out in the country. Country music. Amen. I mean, down in my soul, I enjoy George Jones more than I do Bob Jones. <laughs> you know, I mean... <laughs> In my soul, I do. <laughs> but, uh, and I'll admit, when he stopped loving her that day, I did too. I didn't even know her. I went and got a black wreath and just hung it on a tree. And just... I cried. I cried through the summer first time I heard that. When he stopped loving her that day. Felt like I lost my girl. You know? That's how powerful that stuff is. Let me tell you something. Y'all go out here and ride up and down the road with that country music playing. It'll give you a spirit of depression. And it'll, it'll give you a spirit of adultery. Sorry. It will. And that rock music. All that they were stacking that stuff up, preacher. I had men and some of my old boys out of the swamps, they just brought it on down there. Yeah. One old boy brought a box out of his attic that his wife didn't know he had. Hmm? Yeah. You adults know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I said to my deep Paul Norman and Ralph, I covered that up. There's women bringing ungodly clothing down there. Nobody even mentioned it. Yeah. It's all right to mention it, but nobody mentioned it. The Holy Ghost was... Six weeks. Six weeks. The Lord said, don't burn it until they get it all down here. We started more rumors that night. A bunch of rednecks and swamp rats trying to burn something. They went and got a barrel... And it was a two-inch thick stainless steel galvanized. <laughs> we needed an old rustic barrel, you know. You could kick a hole in it and get a vent going. <laughs> All right. So Robert Rozier brought the barrel. Well, Ralph Wise, my D, he said, I'll go get some diesel fuel. The thing wasn't getting, they stuffed it. And it wasn't burning. He said, I'll get some diesel fuel. He'd come back to that, diesel fuel. He said, this is probably illegal, maybe slightly legal, but we'll get away with it. For the Rudy who comes around with a patrol car is a small town. He poured that on there. It just had blue flames leaping off the top. Well, one of them boys didn't know it was two-inch tap. He said, we need to punch a hole in it. And he'd come out of his four-wheeler. Boom! And every time he'd hit it, that diesel would flare. <laughs> and flames would shoot for 20 feet. He'd say, boom! And that whoa! Boom! Whoa! I had over 20 young preachers in the church. I told the most fireball one I had. I said, while, I trying to, while they're trying to get this to burn, you preach. 
He never did stand there, you know, like a Roman Catholic mama thing. He always run when he, so he got to run. He's a preacher and going around that fire. And them boys got to running with him and shout. Well, one of our neighbors have viewed this from afar. (laughs) And when, (laughs) it's just a small town in a little old swamp county. When the rumor came back to me the next week, we were offering human sacrifices <laughs> while beating the drums and doing Indian dances around the fire as it leaped out. I liked the sound of that so much, I just went with it. I said, yeah, yeah, that's about Okay. Never even tried to correct that when I just laughed. Oh, we'll go with that. <laughs> and did you know when we got that thing burned out, God spent the rest of that year, He saved people by the truckloads. He just kept saving them and kept saving them. And honey, if we'll burn some of this stuff out, we can get that holy fire burning if we get that hell fire burned out. Y'all help me now. And every one of us need to go home and go through your house and go through your life and then you and your wife go through your marriage and then you go through your heart and say, God, take everything out. Because we need a holy fire to burn some stuff out of the inside of us. Mm. Y'all are very patient and very kind tonight. I think I've been up here one hour. Let me get the last one in. Let me let me get the last one yet. If you're going to have a revival in the last days, you're going to have to deal with the breaches and the book and the blood. And there's got to be some burnings. And I want to say this, and I'm done. We got to deal with them bones. I love this. I've been up here an hour. Y'all got two or three more minutes. No, some of you drove a long way. Let me just show you this. They were going through the grove there and burning everything, but they came to the bone, the sepulcher of an old man of God. Amen. And the king said, Who is that? See, I'm in chapter 23, verse 17. Y'all got two or three minutes? Y'all all right? Then he said, What title is that that I see? And the men of the city said, It's the sepulcher of the man of God. I'm about to run. If I read the rest of it, I'll preach an hour. So I'm leaving it up there. And in the next verse, he said, Leave his bones alone. And they gathered them up and honored them. I need a little help right here. Honey, somebody better take care of them old bones of the old man of God. We need to go back to our heritage and remember the men of God, honey. If we're going to have revival, we got to honor the old, the old timers who paid the price for us to be here and to have what we have. Joseph said, don't forget my bones, boys. Bring my bones up at when you come. The devil's trying to get the bones of Moses. Yes, sir. And that angel went up there and he disputed with him. Yes, sir. Ezekiel seen a valley full of the bones. Yes, sir. 
leave me alone right there. Leave me alone. Still looking at, been looking at that 20 years. Leave me alone. Oh, I want to say something. We owe a great price to the old timers. Some of you, it's your mama. Some of you, it's a great grandfather. Some of you don't know. Somebody made a covenant four generations ago. You'll meet them in heaven. You wonder how you got in. All your brothers went to hell, all your sisters. Your folks was ungodly. Your cousins is in jail. You're the only one. And you're wondering. Back yonder somewhere, you got somebody back there went behind the barn. Yes, sir. Made a covenant with God. Amen. I had several of them in mind. <laughs> I had a great grandmother prayed seven sons through two wars. <laughs> they said she went behind the barn always, wore a white bonnet and a white apron. Says she went behind the barn. <laughs> Come out half a day later. Come out shouting and said, Her and God done entered into a covenant. And said none of her boys was going to die. <laughs> we buried Uncle Edgar, my great uncle. I guess he's my great great grand. Buried great uncle Edgar two years ago, nearly 90. He's about the last one. Had shrapnel on his heart and in his heart. Blowed up in World War II. They said, we can't do surgery. We pull that out of your heart. You'll die. Matter of fact, you are supposed to be dead right now. You can't have shrapnel in your heart and on your heart and halfway through your heart. And if we touch it, we'll kill you. And that did more than touch you. And you're supposed to be dead. And he lived till he's nearly 90. Couldn't die. Mama done made a covenant behind the bar. My other grandmother did the other thing on the other side, on my mama's side. That was my daddy's side. And they said after World War II, Granny Bell come down there. She had a bunch of youngins. One of them was my grandpa, the preacher. I had his two brothers. He's all preacher. Uncle Pud, Uncle, Uncle Crack, and Uncle Chunk. You could tell we don't like Yankees. God lets you in heaven, that proves to me sovereign grace. It's, it's, it's the only way I'll ever swallow that. They said after World War II, she, at the fall meeting, she brought a bell. The last name was Bell, my mama's maiden name. And they said she walked around the tent and got to walking on that hill, ringing that bell. She came on purpose to praise God, brought all them bell boys out of the war. And said she rung that bell. Why do you think that a fellow like me, just dirt, gets to stand here and trumpet the praises of God in the great congregations? I'll tell you why. I've had some old timers come behind me and said, Lord, bless my children and my children's children and my offspring and their seed, honey. I'm a covenant child. We need revival. Let's bow our heads. 
I want somebody to come play the piano. I want everybody to stand. I want us to come around and pray if you'd like to. Let's pray for our generation. Let's pray for our churches. Let's pray for our sinners. Let's pray for our children. Let's pray for our preachers. Let's pray for our generation. Find you a place to pray. If you got to get in the on the walls or in the aisles, it's fine. Find you a place to pray. <laughs>